Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this podcast. And this week's episode, we are continuing along our Ted Lasso season two recap series. And in this particular Ted Lasso recap, Ted Lasso goes rom-com for episode five entitled Rainbow. And before I continue on with that, you guys, I do have a lot to say about this one. I don't know how long the episode is going to be. It might only be 10 minutes. It might be 30. I don't know. Not entirely sure where where to begin, but let's just first, I don't know, discuss the obvious. Did I call out She's a Rainbow or did I call out She's a Rainbow by the Rolling Stones? I made like the little joke before, but Stamper Cinema is life. If you didn't catch my episode three recap, I did mention a couple weeks ago that my daughter right now is obsessed with the the new Disney film Cruella, which if you haven't seen it, definitely do it. It's a lot of fun, a really great reimagining of the series in a brilliant, brilliant soundtrack. And especially the fact that the film uses She's a Rainbow by the Rolling Stones to great effect over a really funny montage. And because my my three-year-old daughter is a little creature of habit over the past week, two weeks, whatever it is, I think we've seen Cruella no fewer than 15 billion times. Thereabouts, approximately, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. I don't know. But uh anyway, the like a she's like a rainbow, or she's a rainbow rather by the Rolling Stones is used in a really great montage in in that film. And during episode three, it was very, very brief, but there was a moment where we find that on Higgins' phone, he has that ringtone. Now, fast forward to this episode, and there's a moment where Higgins and Rebecca are quite literally talking about his ringtone and that song and the story behind it and why Higgins has it on his phone. And furthermore, this episode is entitled freaking Rainbow. And oh, and the finale of this episode, we basically get the entire song. So yeah, I'm not lying. Stamper Cinema is life. We called She's Like a Rainbow, or rather I keep saying she's like a rainbow. She's she's a rainbow by the Rolling Stones. So are we on to something here with this podcast? I think so. I think so. And can we give a little shout out to ringtones just in general? I don't know. Do people still use ringtones? I I mean, I used to have ringtones on my old phone, but once we updated, I don't have any more ringtones on my on my new phone. And furthermore, I don't even know how you like get ringtones anymore because iTunes as a store doesn't exist, right? Because that's where we all used to get them, right? We you could create your own ringtones on on iTunes. Maybe there are other, if you didn't have an iPhone, you probably created it somewhere else. So maybe they still exist, but I don't know. I don't know. I All I know is I used to create it on iTunes, but the fact that iTunes doesn't even exist today, it's now just music, which is kind of boring. I'm not trying to beat up Apple here, but hmm, now that I think about it, are Apple trying to remind people about ringtones and that the fact that you can still create them? Interesting. I don't have a point. Just just a little light bulb went off. But yeah, man, I used to love ringtones. I'd have like 30 different ringtones for different friends of mine. My family would have different different tones. Like my mom, for example, would have like Crazy Train because that was a song that she wanted by Ozzy Osbourne, which was really weird. What other ringtones did I have? Oh, I used to have uh, the song Young Folks by Peter Bjorn and John, 
which is a perfect ringtone. I had a particular friend that she used to light up my phone all the time. And you'd get that, that intro whistling that, oh, look, I don't know if whistling will work so well on microphone when try this. I haven't, I haven't tried to whistle this jingle in forever, but let's, let's go to go. Oh, iTunes, how I miss thee, but I don't know, maybe you can still create ringtones on Apple Music. I'm going to have to look into it, but that's not why you're here. You're here because you want to talk about the show. And in this particular episode, I got to tell you, dare I say it's the best episode of season two thus far? I think I dare. I think I dare. Right. So let's, let's talk about Rainbow. This week's episode was directed by a Ted Lasso first timer. That would be Erica Dunton. No, admittedly, I'm not too familiar with Erica's work other than Erica had done a lot of television stuff that I, to be honest, quite unfairly for her, I'm not familiar with her work. Now, I know that I think on a resume, there's a credit of One Tree Hill, but I know that show is popular, but again, I, I never saw it. So I don't know. I don't know. But regardless, not that my being aware of her really validates her career. Because it doesn't. But I will say that I think Erica did a freaking banger job with this episode. I really, really enjoy this episode again. I think it's probably the best one we've seen thus far. So let's break it down. All right. You've got your classic three plot story structure, but you've got this overarching or overarching uh, theme that bridges all those, those plot points together. Right. And that overarching theme, quite obviously, is romance or in the case of this episode, like romantic comedies, or as Ted Lasso so brilliantly coined the phrase, rom-communism. So rom-communism. We've got a rom-com episode for you. So let's talk about our three plots. So plot one, we'll start with the team. And the team is still mired in its, its, um, its struggles. And now we're able to isolate something very, very specific. The team is lacking a leadership. And its current captain uh, and, and the team's current captain, Isaac McAdoo, is very much struggling with his captaincy. Now, Dr. Sharon asks Ted if she needs to speak with him. He says, no, we've got it. And then the, your, the coaching staff basically have a, have a moment. Well, what does he need? And Ted's like, well, I don't know. Normally, we would reach out to the captain. The captain would speak to it. But in case of Isaac, Isaac is the captain. So Ted realizes maybe he needs to call in calling to a big dog. So who's that big dog going to be? Well, it's going to be Roy Kent. Of course, it's going to be Roy Kent. Sorry, Nate, you're not quite, quite big dog enough. And we'll talk about Nate. Nate has a, a very, very strong B uh, plot to this particular episode. But anyway, now we're going to have that moment where Roy and Ted are going to meet up again. I think this is the the first, maybe second moment that they will have shared screen time in season two. I don't think they saw each other in the Christmas episode. I don't recall in episode three. I think there was a moment in the pilot, not the pilot, the premiere when Roy Kent was in his vehicle. So I think this is the first episode that we actually have a moment between Roy Kent and Ted Lasso in this episode. But the point of it is Ted reaches out to Roy and says, hey, you know, can you help us unscramble Isaac's head? Roy says, let me figure it out. Let me think of a few things. Fast forward to that night or the following night, and Isaac and Ted are walking through 
a um, smaller part of, of town and they run into Roy and Roy takes them to kind of a, a, uh, like a pickup, um, like street match. And he tells Isaac to get in there and play a little football. So Isaac gets his ass kicked and Isaac is getting a little pissed off, but Roy has a moment with him. Like the whole point is to help Isaac rediscover his love for the game, right? Because that's what this is. It's a game. So go out there, you know, and, and play your ass off. And, and uh, Roy says it very, very more eloquently. And of course, with a series of fucks, Oh, which brings me to a new segment of this podcast, which I think I will call what's the fucking score. And in the episode rainbow, we had a total of 30 fucks. That's right. There were 30 different fucks uttered. And for those that want to know, there were eight shits also. So your fucking score is 30 fucks to eight shits. Uh, Yeah. So a lot of profanity in 30 minutes. And I very well may match that just talking about this particular episode, because again, a lot of F-bombs in this, uh, in this episode, the, the thing that I find so funny about Ted Lasso is at its core, this is such a family friendly show, right? It's very, very positive moments. Everything is very, very uplifting. It's all about feeling good about oneself and and building confidence within, within ourselves and love, love for the game, love for your friends, you know, love for community, all of that are such a big part of it, right? Such, such things that we would want our family, you know, to watch. This is a, this is one of those shows that you would watch on a, like a Tuesday or Wednesday back in the nineties with your family, if not for the fact that there are literally F-bombs and shit bombs every, every 35, 45 seconds. So it's, it's really, really um, enjoyable in that respect. But yeah, so you got the, the, uh, the, the home improvement or your, your TGIF type shit, but then it also meets like Quentin Tarantino. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what Ted Lasso is. It's feel good. Family comedy meets Quentin Tarantino's uh, thesaurus, right? So anyway, long story short, after the game, Ted and Roy are kind of talking about naturally Ted offers Roy a coaching position. Another moment that we had predicted earlier in our podcast, of course. So of course, Roy tells Ted to fuck off until, until the end. But anyway, we'll get to that later, but that's your A plot, right? Team lacking uh, motivation, uh, Ted reaching out to Roy to help out. Roy helps out. Ted reaches out to Roy, Roy rejects him. That's your A plot. Your B plot is actually how we open up the, the story. And it's, it's Nate's parents' 35th birthday, and he wants to take them to their favorite restaurant. It's called a taste, in, a taste of Athens in the neighborhood Tooting. Now, but not only does he want to take them there, but he also wants to give them the window seat, right? So they can feel very, very proud that they're they're sitting right there in the window seat at the favorite restaurant. Seems easy enough, right? Well, no, because the the hostess Jade is a massive B who won't hook her boy Nate up. And that's just, that's just a bummer because we know Nate and we know that Nate is adorable, but he obviously lacks a little bit of confidence, which we get in that scene where Ted, Coach Beard, and Nate are trying to figure out a way that they can help Isaac. And Ted says that we need a big dog. And then Nate steps up and Coach uh, uh, Ted Lasso kind of rejects him. So, and we've seen this with Nate, just this, this very emasculated uh, figure within within the team. And so it becomes very abundantly clear that Nate just essentially needs to assert himself and find some confidence, but who is going to help him do that? 
well, wouldn't you know it, in comes Keely and Rebecca. Now, personally, I gotta tell you, I, while I love the scene, I also can't help but laugh a little bit of the 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 ridiculous of uh, the ridiculousness of it. Just the idea of an assistant assistant coach speaking with the owner of a football team and the marketing director about how to assert oneself in a Greek restaurant. It's it's a little ridiculous, but again, that's one of the things that we thoroughly enjoy about about Ted Lasso, right? where anything is freaking possible within within this football club. And you love that, right? Within a uh, a really cute moment, you have this neat little team building between Keely, Rebecca, and, and Nate. But it all ends with Nate essentially having to basically step up. So we conclude his story arc with him going to the restaurant with his parents. And Jade still kind of rejects him, but he goes into the bathroom, finds his his confidence comes out and then tells Jade how it's going to be. And Jade is like, all right, not even a problem. She's just like, all right, he asserted himself. This is kind of attractive. I, I, uh, I dig it. So Nate then naturally asks her out and she then, you know, uh, she rejects him again, but which is all kind of funny, but again, the whole moment, but the whole story arc for Nate in this particular episode is finding his confidence, finding his voice and asserting himself. So that's your B plot. Your C plot is goes back to Rebecca. We had mentioned Rebecca briefly. Now, Rebecca's story arc is pretty, pretty simple, except that now there's going to be like tie-in effect. And what her story arc is, she's getting a little bit more flirty with um, some some guy that she's met on the the um, the online app Banter. Oh, speaking of Banter, as I also mentioned, probably Banter is going to come in as a shirt uh, as a kid sponsor, and it is. Banter is the kid sponsor for AFC Richmond. But anyway, back to Rebecca. She's getting a little bit flirty with a guy and she talks to Higgins about, about branding. What, what should her branding be? And Higgins just essentially talks about like honesty, be herself. And she continues just to chat with this unknown person on banter. And yeah, that's, that's really really her overall plot except for the fact that in the one of the closing sequences she finishes a conversation with said uh said fella and we immediately get a cut to ted lasso putting his phone away with a smile on his face so if they aren't really um so the the show at least is really trying to put in that hint that rebecca and and ted are gonna hook up but is it a misdirect i don't know Two episodes ago, I, I was pretty much convinced that the show was really trying to set us up between Rebecca and, and Ted Lasso. But part of me thinks this just might be a little bait and switch or a little misdirect where just a little bit of editing to make the audience think that that's what we're trying to do. I don't know. It would be it would be very um, 90s friends where you think that Ross and Rachel are going to get together, but you get a little bit of a misdirect and and yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. That's certainly what the show wants you to do based on her being on the phone and then him putting his phone away. And I can't remember if I mentioned it before, but again, technology plays a major part. We obviously talked about ringtones. We talked about like social media, dating apps, smartphone, smartphone, smartphone. So yeah, I think this is very much an Apple uh, ran television show where they're really trying to incorporate technology in it. But enough about technology. Let's go back to the rom-com, right? Because 
that's your overall main plot. And I'll get into a couple of the, the final arcs of, of the episode. But the Ted Lasso rom-com wouldn't be complete without any fewer than like, I don't know, 10 different rom-com references, right? So we get a few references to When Harry Met Sally. We get references to Jerry Maguire, Notting Hill, Princess Bride, Bridget Jones' Diary. But how we even get references to not necessarily rom-coms, but a film like Showgirls or um, shit, uh, The Shining. There's a Back to the Future reference when they talk about the space-time continuum, Sex in the City, Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie. Hell, they even talk about Easy Lover by Phil Collins, right? So, I mean, you've got tons of the pop culture references, but a lot of those obviously tie into the rom uh, the rom-com aspect. But no rom-com is complete unless you've got the quintessential rom-com scene, which is somebody running. I call it the running scene, right? Or the running to the airport scene. You see it in so many freaking like rom-com movies. It's just, it's one of those tropes and there are many, many tropes in a rom-com, but unless somebody's running, it ain't a rom-com, right? So who's running in this episode? But of course that would be Mr. Roy Kent. Now his moment comes when he realizes that punditry just just ain't for him, right? He misses the game. He misses everything about his game, being there for the team, being there in the stadium, all of it. So he has his leave the state, uh, leave the studio moment and where he has to, he has to get back to the girl, right? So he starts running to AFC and, and, and 10 lasso. And wouldn't you know it, it is all done to the music too. What? She's a rainbow by the Rolling Stones. So it all goes back to it, right? Quite brilliantly. And yeah, I'll even say it a little emotionally too, but I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. And it all culminates in the moment with this great, great shot. And obviously it's, you know, some green screen, but a really great shot of Roy Kent's silhouette as he's walking like out onto the pitch with that song. And then the audience all jumping into his Roy Kent uh, chant. And it was great. It was, I loved it. And then the absolute climax of the entire moment is when Roy Kent and Ted Lasso come face to face and Ted Lasso says, Hey coach. And then blah, 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 blah. And Roy says, shut up. You have me at coach. And then coach Beard has his little gasp and you've got a really great moment of the Jerry Maguire scene. Shut up. You had me at coach. And if, if you were a fan of rom-coms or if you're a fan of, well, if you're a fan of Jerry Maguire, you love that. But this has just all been, we have, we had it going on this moment, right? But this has been building up because we know that Roy Kent does love himself some Ted Lasso. He, he loves Ted Lasso and the actor Brett Goldstein who plays Roy, he had an interview with entertainment weekly and where he stated Roy loves Ted. He doesn't like admitting it. He doesn't like feeling it, but he does. And it's true because we, we know that there's something about Ted that, that Roy just loves. And again, he, 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 he doesn't want to admit it to himself and he, and he hates that he, that he does love him, but he does. So the, the moment where Roy leaves the studio to come back to his club and then also to come back to uh, Ted Lasso is, it's just such a great, like good, feel good moment. Surely I'm not the only one that thinks that way, right? But anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn into kind of like wrapping up because I have no idea how I've been going on. I just, I think I just go blah, 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 blah. But there's so much to enjoy about this episode. Again, 
I think it was the best one that we've had this season. Admittedly, maybe it's because I like me some rom-coms. Well, the good ones anyway. Um, I mean, there are a lot of bad rom-coms out there, but I mean, there, there's a, a ton of really, really great rom-coms, right? Um, should now I like want to think about like my favorite rom-coms or it's tough. Uh, all right. So what are my favorite rom-coms? Just right off the top of my head, if I can omit yeah, let me first omit some films. Like I'm going to omit films by like say John Hughes or any of those Brat Pack type films because although there's a lot of romantic uh, interludes and uh, um, significance into a film like Sixteen Candles, I don't think of it as a rom com per se. And same thing with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which the the rom com element is sure C. Martin's trying to get to his wife, but the the rom com is really about. John Candy and Seamart, right? So they're they're bigger pictures, right? That where the 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 guy gets girl, guy, you know, guy needs girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl again. That is really what I want to kind of like focus on. So, you know, that, that means I'm gonna to have to throw out a film like Groundhog Day, which again is another br- brilliant movie, but that's not a rom-com in the, in the, in like in the truest sense. Um obviously Jerry Maguire kind of fall, falls into it, but that's more. That's more a dramedy than a than a rom-com. Same thing with like Harold and Maude. Princess Bride shit is something entirely different altogether. I mean, that's literally so many genres, right? And then, of course, you've got 500 Days of Summer, which they tell you right at the outset is not a love story, right? So it goes on and on and on. Shit, I mean, even broadcast news, which I think is probably regarded as one of the greatest, isn't a comedy in the traditional sense, and it's certainly not a rom-com in the traditional sense. But again, another movie that's kind of tied to it that's really, really good. So what would I include? Well, shit, I mean, you got to start with the best, right? The number one greatest rom-com ever. It's got to be When Harry Met Sally. Am I wrong? I mean, I know it's not the first, but I think it is the most self-actualized rom-com in history. I mean, shit, that movie now came out, what, 88, 89? So 99, 09, 19. Yeah, the movie's over 30 years old. And you could play it today. And obviously, Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby and Meg Ryan and Carrie Fisher, they their 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 fashion sense may have, have changed, but the 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 elements that they talk about the movie and the, the relationships that they talk about in the movie still are every bit as relevant today as they were then. It's timeless. It's a timeless, timeless rom-com. What else do I like? Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for I am a sucker for Bridget Jones diary. I know that's based off of a book, but I think. I think those are really done well. Uh, Clueless. Now, Clueless, I think also maybe you can say is kind of a gray area, but seeing that the whole movie is about getting people together one way or another, and then it comes back to really her being really her love story. Yeah, that's a rom-com. So Clueless, I'm a big fan of. Um, High Fidelity. Now, granted, High Fidelity is a movie that's all about breakups as well, but again, he starts off with his girlfriend. He loses her. And then he gets her back at the end. So I love that. Oh, I really love the Hulu version. It's such a shame that, that Hulu canceled High Fidelity. I thought that was a really great, great reimagining of that Nick Hornby book. Um, man, I feel like I'm talking really fast. I apologize. I'm getting excited about this one. So um, is there anything else? Ooh, uh, Singles, one of the greatest soundtracks ever, but also a really good rom-com. And then I, if you mentioned singles and you have to do it with it's like uh, its cousin, and that would be 
Oh my God, I can't believe I the name of it. Uh, shit, what is it? Uh, Reality Bites. Reality Bites is kind of like the, the cousin to singles. And I think that one's also really good. Is there anything else? Um, I know I didn't mention any of the, the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan rom-coms, although they're really good. I don't know if I put them in my top, my top five. I mean, maybe I would put Joe versus Volcano just because it's fucking ridiculous and I love it. It's so good and so zany and so quirky and so farcical. But yeah, I think that's actually, that's probably my favorite Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan rom-com after Joe versus Volcano. Then it would probably be Sleepless in Seattle. And then after that, you've got male. Did they do a fourth? I don't know. Anyway, um, but I'm going to shut up because I really could go on and on and on about rom-coms, but, and it's not even my favorite genre. I mean, it's far from it, but I am a sucker for it nonetheless. And when a rom-com is done well, should even like can't hardly wait. I think is a really, really well executed rom-com, but when a, a rom-com is executed very well, I'm a sucker for it. It's captivating. It's fun. It's a good time. That's it for my, my rom-com rant. Do you have a favorite rom-com? Do you have a top five? I'd love to hear it. And I think that's about it. Ooh, uh, I didn't say any quotes. What would my quote of the week be? Ooh, it's probably when, when Keely and Rebecca and Nate were trying to help Nate build his confidence and Rebecca, who like towers over everybody. She, she talks about how she goes in the bathroom and tries to make herself big, feel big. So she like leans down and then like raises her arms up and stands real high and just kind of like, kind of like, you know, like makes herself really intimidating and Keely's blown away. And she says, fuck, you're amazing. Let's invade France. I thought that was great. Um, was there another good line? Obviously I mentioned the, Shut up. You, you had me at coach. That was good. And then there was a, there was a really funny Higgins line earlier in the episode when Rebecca is talking to him that she said to him, it is so odd to imagine you young. And then Higgins replies. Yeah, I get that a lot. I was the only kid in primary school sciatica, which legit made me laugh out loud. I thought that was a really great moment, but that that's all I've got for you today. That's it. I'm going to wrap up. Uh, normally this would be prediction time. I don't have a ton of predictions other than like tying back is Ted, the mystery man on Rebecca's phone. Two weeks ago, I would have said, yes, now I'm not so sure. I just, I'm, part of me is starting to think maybe it's like a bait and switch, but that this also part of me, maybe like also secretly not wanting them to hook up at least not yet or anything like that, but I don't know. I wouldn't call this one a prediction, but I am curious just to see what it's going to look like as Roy, as part of the coaching team, right? What is that dynamic going to be? I mean, he's a complete 180 from Ted Lasso. So what is that going to look like? What is that going to look like for Nate, right? We had an entire episode about Nate trying to find his voice and find his confidence. Hell, he even ends the episode coming onto the pitch wearing a suit. And then Roy comes out on a suit looking a little bit more dapper. Does this affect Nate? I'm interested to find that out. So I hope they do, they do tackle that, but that's, that's what I've got. Oh, I guess my other question for this episode is where was Jamie Tart? We didn't really have much of Jamie Tart in this one. So maybe that just means we're going to get a lot more of him in the episodes that, that are to come. Are we gonna have a moment between Jamie Tart and Roy? Ooh, that I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I think that's what this episode's all about. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And now I'm just, I'm excited to see what that means for Roy coming back into the team. And what is that dynamic going to look like? What is going to go on with Rebecca and 
and uh, her, her mystery man. So that's your lot for this week. We'll see you again for episode six, which I don't know what it's titled. I haven't even haven't looked it up yet because I've seen this episode like, I don't know, four times. I've seen this episode four times, like once just for entertainment, two to gather some notes, three to count the, the amount of times the fuck was said, and then four just because I love this episode and I wanted to watch it again. So that's it. That's all I've got. I'm going to shut up now. I love you guys. As always, thank you very much for, for listening to my podcast. Please continue to do so. Tell your friends, like, listen, subscribe. And shit, man, if you are on Twitter, reach out to me. Hit me up. If you're on Instagram, the same way. And of course, if you have the Apple Podcasts app, leave a review, you know, um, help us out because that, that really does help. And of course, you can also find me on YouTube as well. And all of those are available under Stamper Cinema. And with that, I shall shut up. Have a good one, everybody. See you next time. Bye.